Good morning, everyone, and good morning online also. Valentine's Day, and we're talking about boundaries. When I realized that, I was like, Bryce, what are you doing? But it might be that talking about boundaries might be just the best thing, best gift that you can give to your Valentine. By the way, Feliz Dia de Amor y Amistad. That would be Spanish, and in, at least in Ecuador, um, I think in all Latin America, they say Feliz Dia de Amor y Amistad, which means Happy Love and Friendship Day. And I love that because it includes not just the person that you're married to or the person that you're dating, uh, it includes all your friends. In Ecuador, uh, it is actually a custom that you send text messages and that you wish each other a happy Valentine's Day or Feliz Dia de Amor y Amistad. In fact, this morning when I was preaching the first sermon, I actually got a text. I didn't look at it until I was done. Um, but I got the text already. On ju- it's just nice to have this, these relationships. And I'm telling you this because I want you to listen to this sermon, not just out of this relationship, husband and wife relationship, but all the relationships that we have that need boundaries where we need to work on. I want to start with a story from Ecuador. In Ecuador, I did a whole lot of uh, marriage counseling, and a couple came to me, and she, mainly she was talking about um, him not sharing life with her. She would do all kinds of things. She, one time she even prepared a special dinner and he came home, asked, she asked him, so how was your day? Fine. And that was constantly, there was no sharing of life and she just yearned for him to share a little bit more. And we looked at all different kind of things and I learned that he would um, not go out in the evening and gamble, which was a huge or is a huge problem in Ecuador. He would not go out and, and spend the money in the bar or in other things. Um, he would have a decent job and bring that money home. He would manage the money well. He was good with the kids and everything. But that communication piece was just a problem. As we continued talking, I realized... Uh, which company he was working in, and I said, you know what, this company, I know the company, at four o'clock you're done working, but earlier we talked that you're not home until 5.30, 6 o'clock in the afternoon. Where are you those one and a half, two hours? Oh, I go to mom, she has some food for me, and I tell her about the day. You see how that can create already problems. Bryce talked last week about relationships and a specific specifically about the relationship between husband and wife, and I think that was a great sermon. Uh, Corby and Jen had some really good questions, and and then Bryce answered those. If you want to watch those again, we have them on our webpage, those sermons. And it's interesting, I looked up, Paul, when he talks in Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, for 10 minutes, Bible app nowadays, you can check how long that is, for 10 minutes he goes on, on relationships within the church, relationships on day-to-day relationships that we have, relationships between husband and wife, parents and children, and he even goes on to use a couple verses on relationships that we have within our work environment. All these relationships, and then seemingly he changed the topic to the armor of God. 
But I think it is not just seemingly that he changes to the armor of God. He purposely does that because he knows relationships are tough. And every once in a while, there is just this tough situation, tough relationship, tough conflict that we have. And he says, and therefore put on the armor of God that God has given you. But then within that introduction to the armor of God, he actually says, we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against principalities. And mainly he's talking about the devil. Your spouse is not the enemy. Your boss is not the enemy. Satan is, and Satan wants to take us down. Jesus says one time about Satan, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come to give you life and life to the fullest. John 10.10. I wrote down in my Bible beside that, Satan comes to steal hope, kill relationships, and destroy what's left. We need to know that, that our spouse is not the enemy. Our boss is not the enemy. That situation in Ecuador, it was not that the mom was the enemy or that the husband was the enemy or that the wife was the enemy. Satan just wanted to destroy and tweak things to make them unhappy. And we looked at some parameters, some boundaries, some standards that God had set. And we looked, for example, at one Bible verse, a man will leave his father and mother and will cling to his wife and they will become one. And once he realized that, they were all Christians, mom too, and once they all realized that, that this is God's standard, that a man will leave the house, father and mother will cling to his wife, and all of a sudden there is a new woman important in life, more important in the husband's life than mom. Once they all realized that, that marriage took a turn for the better. That doesn't mean that he forgot about his mom. That doesn't mean that he didn't honor his mom. But all of a sudden, he realized there is one person, that one woman, that is more important than my mom. And so he changed some habits, came home after work, actually, and they talked. And he would still go to his mom and talk, but not right after work. He would make it a point to be more connected to his wife. Just a simple change in that area helped their marriage tremendously. So when we talk about the armor of God, we see that there are things that we need to take into consideration, that we need to look into it. And the armor of God is, a, is tactical wear that we have. And maybe you say, well, this is ancient stuff with the Roman soldiers and so on. That's one of the reasons why I have this shirt on. I had the privilege in Ecuador to work as a translator with a SWAT team. An American SWAT team came down to Ecuador and trained some Ecuadorian SWAT members, and I was the translator. I did not train them. I just translated, okay? It would have been a mess if I would have been the trainer. But the cool thing is, when we were together, we would be talking about the armor of God because that was just natural. There's protective gear, there's tactical gear, and if that helps you to think in, that, in those terms a little bit more, the belt, the tactical belt, and the tactical boots, and the tactical helmet, and instead of breastplate of righteousness, what in the world is a breastplate? You go for the bulletproof vest, however you want to look at it, but they are all there so that they have protective gear and that they can operate in the way they need to operate to do their job as SWAT team members or take the Navy SEALs or whatever it is. So protective gear and operations. Look at the armor of God in this way. When you look at the armor of God and relationships, 
to protect and strengthen and to give you the possibility to operate in your relationship in the proper way, in the way that will help that relationship and it will grow and strengthen that relationship. So let's dive into the five elements that I want to look at from the armor of God and how they can help us in our relationships. The first one is the belt of truth. A belt is usually put here and you put your weapon, you put your flashlight, your tear gas and and your ammunition. Um, When we talk about the belt of truth, then we're talking about the non-negotiable standards of God. What is the standard that God has set for a certain thing? For example, in marriage, God has ordained marriage and he even called it very good. Right in the beginning in the first two chapters, he said, it is not good that man is alone. I will make him a helper. I will make him a partner. I will give him a spouse. And he ordained it as good as very good. He also created sex when he said, be fruitful and increase in number. But in other parts of the Bible, we can see that the sexuality part is to be enjoyed within the marriage, not outside of marriage and not before marriage, within the marriage. God sets parameters how we need to live our marriage life. Or when you go into relationships in general, instead of coveting, coveting, how do I come to that word coveting? The Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments can help us in our relationship. Yes, they are negative, but let's turn them to something positive. Instead of do not covet, I could say celebrate success of other people. Enjoy when the other person has closed the deal instead of being covetous that the other person has closed that deal. Um, Instead of killing, I save lives, I sustain life, I promote life. Instead of giving false testimony, and how much false testimony do we have on social media and in this world? Instead of false testimonies, I speak life and I build people up. I can do that. Instead of writing all these text messages or these memes and forwarding these memes that are demoting, I can put Bible verses there or some good phrase of, uh, or sermon, you know, just saying. Um, put out something that builds up and speaks life. What does Satan actually attack here? What does he want to do? Satan wants to make us doubt and tweak things that it's somewhat according to the standard of God, but not quite. He says, did God really say, did God really say looking at a woman lustfully is already sin? Did God really say gossip and talking behind the back of a person is also already sin? Did God really say that? Yes, he did. And we need to have it as a set standard, God-given standards, non-negotiable. So how do I protect myself? I make sure that I know my Bible. Read the Bible, learn from the Bible, learn doctrine, learn ethics, and learn God-given standards. Second part is the breastplate of righteousness, bulletproof vest of righteousness, you can call it. And a bulletproof vest protects this area, the heart. What's in the heart, what I treasure, what I value. And righteousness is wanting to do it the God way, the right way. So what's the difference between the truth, belt of truth and breastplate of righteousness? There's a difference between knowing what's right and doing what's right. 
So with the breastplate of righteousness, I know what's right and I want to do it. I value my relationship so much that I want to do what is right. I want to invest into this relationship. I want to make every effort to pour into this relationship. It also changes our value system towards godly values. I'm convinced that one reason why so many people, when they accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and change to the better is because they all of a sudden receive and accept godly value systems. I had a friend in Ecuador. He was a drunk. He was a bum. He was in the streets and everything. He accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and he changed his, it turned his life around. Very strong Christian now, very strong person in society, but it was because his value system inside changed and godly values were in there. Value your relationship. Make it a point to work on that relationship. Other values, for example, would be integrity, loving one another, submitting to one another, building one another up, extending grace, valuing that person that is different or has a different opinion. Oh, how true is that in, late day, in the last couple days and weeks? Valuing a person in spite of all the different opinions that that person has. Let's move on to the shoes of sharing the gospel. First thing about shoes is they need to be broken in. You know, I have my old cowboy boots on. I have newer cowboy boots. They are shinier. Um, But these are broken in. The other ones I have on every once in a while. And I knew I would be standing here for three, four hours. And I did not want to stand here like this at some point because they're not broken in. Why do I tell you that? Because it's the same thing with sharing the gospel. The more often you use it, the easier it gets to share the gospel. Why is it so important that we share the gospel? What is the effect of sharing the gospel? The effect is, first of all, you're reminded of God's grace for you. Our sins that are many, but his mercies are more. It's so important that we are reminded daily that God has forgiven us. His grace is bigger than any sin I could ever commit. And you saw it also in the Bible verse or Bible text that Sarah was reading. So that's the first effect that it has for me to be reminded each and every time I share the gospel that his grace is larger than my sin. But then the second part is also that I bring the other person into a relationship with God. That person is not a Christian. I present the gospel to that person. I present the fact that that person is loved by God to that person. And it is very hard. I don't know about you, but it is very hard to share the love of God and be mad at the same time at that person. Right? And if that person is a Christian, then I also am reminded that this person is a child of God. I had a very, very difficult relationship with a person in Ecuador. And I sometimes wanted to take a two by four and, you know, uh, uh, that guy just. But then at one point, it changed our relationship or my thinking at least changed because I realized, wait a second, he is a child of God. Christ died for him on the cross just as much as he died for me. Who am I? to take it two by four. That doesn't mean that it got easier and every once in a while I wanted to pick up that two by four again, but 
I didn't do it because I remember that this person is a child of God. And in fact, that was the reason why at some point I was able to say then, God, I give it up. I, I still have my issues with that person, but he's a child of yours. You love him, so I will love him too. That's, it. That's the reason why we put the shoes of the gospel on, that we are gospel-driven. And with that, maybe you can ask yourself, how does being redeemed make a difference in that relationship? Maybe that will help you and strengthen you and protect your relationship. Next element would be the shield of faith. A shield is usually that is picked up when you expect some thing, something, some projectiles to be thrown at you. Bullets or stones, bricks, Molotov cocktails, arrows in the past and stuff like that. You pick up that shield and you hold it up to protect you because that shield has a protective capacity. And the question is, Do you trust God's protective capacity? When I prepared this sermon, I was reminded of Psalm 23, where it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are there right beside me. It does not take that God takes the valley of the shadow of death away. The problems might still be there, but he's right there beside me, and he will accompany me, and he will lead me. What does Satan throw at us here? Temptations, pain, grief, problems, conflicts, all these things. Satan wants to take us down, but God says, I will provide. I will provide that protection. I will give you the right words, words of healing and not of destruction. I will give you strength. I will give you the patience. Oh, how much do we need patience with a person that is difficult? My wife needs a lot of patience with a person that is difficult. And God can provide that. God can give us the strength to fight for the marriage instead of against each other. For that relationship and instead of against each other. So we need to take the shield of faith as a protection and yield to God and trust God's leadership in that. He will provide what we need to fix this relationship that is in shangles. Helmet of salvation, the last piece of the armor of God. Now, a helmet is there to protect the head. Everything that is on our thinking, our control center, where we want to make sure that everything is right. And when it comes to uh, the helmet of salvation, then the key word here or the key phrase is, know that you are loved by God. There's a reason why in other parts of the Bible, salvation is also mentioned as hope of salvation. What Satan does here is that he catches us when we sin, when we do something wrong, when we look at something that we should not be looking, when we think something that we should not be thinking, and then he says, okay, I finally got you. You are messed up. You have messed up with God. You have lost that grace of God and that loved one of yours will not love you either. And God says, no, that is not true. In Romans 8, 38, it says, nothing can separate us from God. My sins that are many, his mercy is more. God loves me and God loved me first. And so what's important here is that you know, first and foremost, you are a child of God. Before you're a spouse, before you're a coworker, before you're a boss, You are a child of God, first and foremost. And that 
has implications that will help you live out of that love and say, God, you love me. Thank you for that. But out of that love, you can also forgive and say, yes, that other person has hurt me, but God has forgiven me. I have hurt him, so I will forgive that person. And you can also forgive yourself. Forgive yourself for what you have done, what you have thought, what you should have done but didn't do because, because God has forgiven you already. There are five elements of the armor of God that will protect and strengthen your marriage if you work on those. And I just want to encourage you that you take them into your relationships, that you're reminded when the next time you see the armor of God or a police officer or um, you see or hear about this, uh, that you think about those five elements. I want to just wrap it up and sum it up again. You have it on the screen, but I just say it in shorter phrases. First, learn biblical standards. That's a belt of truth. Second, breastplate of righteousness, value your relationships. Then the shoes of the readiness of the gospel live out of God's redemptive power, his grace for you, for me, and for the other person. And then we have the helmet of salvation, trust God to lead, no, that was the shield, the shield of faith, trust God to lead you in your conversation and in your relationships, and then the helmet of salvation, live out of God's love for you. May God bless you and lead you as you go into those relationships and that he shows you what to do next in this relationship that might be a little bit difficult. Now, this might have been a sermon topic that is not quite typical for Valentine's Day, but I would say if you apply those things, it might just be the best Valentine's gift that you can give to your loved one. Let us pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for your love and for your care and for those practical steps that we have in your word. There are so many standards that you put out there and they are not just to give us boundaries and restrict us, but to protect us. Protect us from doing something that you have not designed us to be or do. And so I want to pray to you that you lead us, guide us, and most of all, remind us of your grace. Your mercies are more. Thank you for that. Thank you for your love and for your care. Bless us and let us be a blessing to each other. We pray this in your precious name, Jesus Christ. Amen.